you know, people always talk about the fairy tale of like living happily ever after, but you can only do that if you put the effort forward to live happily ever after. Like nobody's going to just hand that to you and it's going to just magically happen. And so, you know, that's why we do this every single week and offer these new tips and advice uh, and, and pieces of advice because I, I want people to be able to do that. This week, Dr. Karen Sherman and I discuss how to stop, let's just say, not always telling the truth. Little white fibs. Nothing huge that's going to ruin a marriage, but those lies that can eat away at it. Stay tuned. I have some cool news to share with you this week. If you're an iPhone or iPad user, you can now find the latest Hitched articles appearing in the Apple News app. Just go to the search, type in Hitched, and add us to your favorites. Of course, if you get the weekly newsletter, you already know this. You can sign up free for our weekly newsletter on our homepage, hitchedmag.com. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined by the fabulous, the original, Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, thank you, thank you, Steve. That's so sweet of you. Uh, So Karen, original from the very first week that we launched the website, um, is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Uh, She has some books out, She has a new program out called Pillars for Partnership, uh, available on her website, drkarensherman.com. And uh, we'll get into some of those details later. But first, I want to talk, Karen, about how to handle a liar um, Mm. in your marriage. Now, you know, lying is obviously something we never want in our marriage or relationship. Uh, But I guess I first wanted to know, is there a difference between someone who lies and maybe even lies pretty regularly as opposed to someone who is a pathological liar? Yeah, there's a big difference. There's a big difference. Um, Someone who's a pathological liar um, is, it's almost, I'm going to say something that we don't totally understand, um, you know, what it's about. Um, You're going to find somebody who has a lot of other traits that go with it. Um, they can be very charming, uh, very charismatic, um, and they just lie. They just out and out lie all the time. They take no responsibility. Uh, many times they don't feel any guilt about um, what they're saying or doing. Um, and you really, it's, it's really hard to work with people who are pathological liars because they don't feel any guilt and they don't take any, as I said a moment ago, they don't take any responsibility for any of the consequences that happen. So when you're with somebody like that, as soon as you're aware that the person has this trait, you really want to not be involved with this person at all. Um, And, you know, we've often spoken on this podcast about how love is blind. And so you might think to yourself, oh, it'll be different with me. It will not be different with you. It's just a matter of, you know, when you're going to get hurt. So once you become aware that the person that you're involved with is a pathological liar, then as I tell the students when I'm teaching them, pick up your marbles and go play in a different game. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, you. we were talking about this just briefly before we started recording. Uh, essentially, you what you were saying is we really know very little about pathological yeah. liars. 
Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times it's part of a larger uh, category of somebody who is an antisocial personality disorder. And I don't mean antisocial that you don't like to go out to have fun and have parties. It's a, a certain type of personality disorder. And you rarely see them in a therapist's office because, again, they don't think anything's wrong with them. Uh, but they can't connect to people and uh, they're guiltless, they're loveless. Um, and we have various theories as to why somebody is like that. Uh, but they're theories. We don't really know. Interesting. Okay. Well, we will we will stay away from the pathological liar aspect of this then okay. and focus more on just a, <laughs> a person in your life, a spouse, uh, who has a habit of lying more than mm-hmm. they should. Mm-hmm. Um, now, is, it, is a person who, you know, lies relatively frequently, is that a habit that can be changed? Like, is there hope? Yes, it, it can, but it's going to be hard because you have to understand that that trait has developed it's really symptomatic of other things like I don't feel good enough about myself. Um, I don't feel as if you'll accept me for who I am. Um, you know, when you think about, for instance, uh, somebody who uh, gambles and lies about the way they're spending their money, or somebody who is an addict as far as their drugs or their or their drinking, um, or even people who get involved in affairs, you know, they're lying basically about their lives and their lifestyle. Well, why are they doing that? Because any of those situations are really symptomatic of the the other the person not feeling good about who they are, um, and feeling low self-esteem or feeling like there's a problem. You know, I mean, I'm generalizing here, but there's lots of reasons that um, cause the person to do the uh, inappropriate behaviors. Now, that's that's on one extreme. But then you can have other situations where um, I tell you, I remember a couple I used to work with years ago where she would say to him, okay, what time are you going to get home? And he would say, uh, I'll be home about six o'clock. That was an impossible thing for him to do because he only left work at six Mm o'clock. So, you know, he wasn't one of those, you know, mystical creatures that could be in two (laughs) places at one time. But why did he do that? Because she would get so upset with him for not being home at an early hour that it was just easier to say to her, I'll be home at six o'clock. So his was reactionary because of the kind of um, behavior that she displayed that made it so uncomfortable for him to be upfront with her. Mm, okay. Okay. So, you know, that that is obviously a lie um, also. And in that case, it was because he didn't have the ability to confront her and talk to her about her behavior that made him so uncomfortable. So, I mean we- – we're talking about like the motivation behind the lie then in that's this kind correct. of an instance. Yeah. That's okay. correct. Um, okay. So can, where, where do, I guess that's a good segue because I wanted to know where, where these kind of lies come from. Um, and I think you just nailed one of them because it was easier for them to tell this white lie mm-hmm. um, as opposed to, I don't know, getting into a big thing about it. Um what what are some other 
uh, reasons that people lie? Is it because they might feel that they're not good enough or they're not yes. interesting enough or they yes, don't trust? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. For all of those reasons. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, or for any of those reasons. Uh, so it could be because I don't feel good enough about myself. I don't think that I have achieved enough, that I look good enough, so I embellish about my accomplishments or I, um, I diminish uh, if I've made mistakes um, or I don't totally, uh, I'm not totally upfront about, you know, if I've goofed or I've made a mistake or something, you know, I don't fess up. Um, sometimes it's because, you know, I have low self-esteem for my entire childhood. So um, there are some people I remember years ago working with somebody who had an affair and he said, there's nothing wrong with my wife. There's nothing wrong with my marriage. But because he was belittled so much um, as a child and didn't feel that he really was all that successful as an adult, in his fairy tale life of his affair, the woman was, you know, just making him feel like he was so special and wonderful that he could, you know, pretend that he really was all that. And so that came from his just not feeling good enough. Uh, in other cases, um, I've heard, and I don't mean to be generalizing about this, but we know that males are far more sensitive than females. And one of the things that males want very much is to please their mates. And when they're not pleasing their mates, they really, really feel awful. So what they tend to do is they will omit because they don't want their mates to be unhappy with them. Well, omission is a lie. Mm -hmm. Or they will not, um, they will, you know, skew um, some of the information, um, not tell all of it. Um, or they will, again, you know, tell a lie, but it's because they want to look good in the eyes of their mate. They want to present themselves to make it look as if they um, come off better than they feel they're coming off. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting. I know we've talked about this in the past, but you mentioned, and I think it might have taken some people, some listeners back a bit, uh, that men are more sensitive than women. Yes. Yes. Women are more emotional. That We show our emotions more, but a male's physiology is such that they are more sensitive. They are more reactive. So when they have done studies where they put measures on both a male and a female to check the internal workings of each gender while they're in conflict, a male's internal workings, blood pressure, um, uh, cortisol levels, uh, stomach acid, things like that are reacting at a much higher rate than a woman's uh, reactivity is occurring. I think that's so interesting and so counter to, I think, what most people would imagine or predict. Right. I, yeah. I know it is. but but And that's the reason that if a woman says anything that sounds critical to a man, he will either shut down or bark, what I say barking, it means attack her back as a way of deflecting the criticism or protecting himself against the criticism by shutting down because it's too much stimulation. Or, or yeah. to today's topic, tell a lie. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's, um, let's talk about how you can approach your spouse about lying then. What mm -hmm. are some of the first steps and we're not let I guess I want to put it out there that like let's not talk about if you think they're cheating or something like major right. like that, but they're telling you know they're telling these like little lies that you know are they're full of crap 
Um, and you want to, you know, to be frank about it, uh, but you want to get to the bottom of it because you want a more honest and open relationship. You don't want to have to tell these little white lies so you're not emotionally scarring your spouse. Okay, so as a combination of what I often say, which is you want to take the other person off the hook because you want them to be listening to you and not become defensive, and especially because we're going with that many times it is um, the male who is the one who is feeling sensitive and lying, or if I open it up and say anybody who's lying is doing it because they're feeling badly and they feel that the need to cover up, you certainly don't want to attack them. So you're going to start off by saying something nice and say, you know, I really think the world of you, or I really know that you try your hardest, or I'm aware of the fact that there are certain things that you get really concerned about. You start nicely mm-hmm. and then say, but I have reason to think that when such and such happened, you weren't quite telling me all the details or you withheld some, you know, whatever it is clinically, uh, you know, not clinically, objectively, excuse me, I went into therapy mode there for a moment, (laughs) Um, objectively. And then you say, and when you do that, here's what happens. I, I, it's, I end up not trusting you. I'd really much rather have the truth, even though it may feel like, you know, you think I think less of you. I really don't care. What's more important to me is our relationship and the trust between us. So, you know, feel free to really don't don't worry about telling me the truth. That's much more important to me. So I think if it's presented that way, then the person doesn't feel blamed or attacked. Now, of course, the person who has been lied to probably, you know, the, the, the hair on their neck is going up. And the first thing you want to do is say, ah, I, you know, I found out you did this and you're making me crazy. And how could you do it? Mm-hmm. That is really not going to get you anywhere. Okay. And, and the main thing that you want to do is be building this trust. And how can the person who has lied truly feel safe and trusting you? that you're not going to have a hissy fit if you're having a hissy fit when you raise the issue. So, you know, I hear the people screaming, listening to the podcast saying, why do I have to always be the one that has to initiate and keep my cool and everything? You're not doing it for the person. You're doing it because you want to be heard. You're doing it because you want to build the steps to get what you want. If you attack, you're shooting yourself in the foot. You're not getting what you want. Mm, That's a great point. You're right. That is a very, very good point. Um, okay, so let's say after you've had this conversation that we just mm-hmm. spoke about and you find that your spouse does it again, mm-hmm. um, how can you reinitiate this conversation? Well, you know, if the person has been doing this for a long time and it's a habit, it's probably going to happen again. So expect it to happen again. Is this something that you bring up in that first conversation? Like, look, this is the thing that I want us to work on. Um, and I know this is something that happens frequently. So um, <laughs> this is probably not the last conversation we're going to have about this. Do you? That's, not do you... A, that's a great idea, Steve. Okay. Great idea. Yeah, you can do that. Um, so that that way, you know, it'll, it'll come up again. Or, you know, you can have a discussion about, 
you know, was this uncomfortable for you? How can we discuss it again? What, what can we do to make this less uncomfortable for you? I mean, any of those are fine because at least you're, you know, you're talking about your feelings and you're communicating. Yeah. But if it happens again, you know, again, you know, lightheartedly, sweetie, you know, I, I think that it, it was a little easier for you to sort of not tell me something and it would be better again for the sake of our relationship if, if you just told me the what what's really going on. I don't think you should say, like, tell me the truth, you yeah. liar. So, <laughs> because, again, that's accusatory. If it happens, I had a, um, somebody who uh, was my supervisor years ago who always used to say a pattern is three. So if it happens three times, then I would go to the person and say, look, I, I understand that, you know, for whatever the reasons are, were, it's been something that you've become accustomed to, you know, protecting me or feeling like, you know, you don't want to be straightforward with me. But I've come to you and, and we had a great talk and now, you know, we've, I've noticed that this is really still happening again. And, and so we really have to work harder on this together. You know, what can I do to help you with this? What can I do to, what can we do to help us? So now you're having a meta communication. Communication is where you're just talking back and forth. A meta communication is where you're communicating about the communication. So you're saying, we've had this conversation, we've had it three times, and now let's discuss the fact that we've had this conversation three times. What can we do about it? Okay. I, you know, it's, um, so, you know, I'm not perfect. My, my wife isn't perfect. Um, and we have things that we're constantly trying to work on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we sometimes come across these habits that we do. And we're able to self-acknowledge a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I will go to my wife and say, you know what? I, I find myself doing this thing. If you catch me doing this, will you please point it out to me and let me know? Because I, I want to stop this habit. Yeah, that's great. But I have to be honest with you, Steve, I think that you're very unusual. I don't think that most people are uh, strong enough to be willing to be that um, self-aware and put it out there like that. But if you if you had this conversation um, where your spouse kind of calls you out on your line mm-hmm. and you're able to acknowledge it then – Mm-hmm. Could that be the opportunity, though, to then say, you know what, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I want to have a more open and honest co- relationship and conversations with you. So, if you catch me doing this in the future, you know, don't be afraid to point it out or just let me know. I mean, can that kind of oh, take some of the sting great. off of it? That would be great. Yeah, okay. that would be fabulous if if the couple could do that. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm just trying to think of uh, being – wanting to make that change as the person who's lying and having that self-acknowledgement mm-hmm. might – I think would make the process be easier because it's one thing if you say your spouse is lying and you tell them about it and they're like super defensive about it um, and then you catch them again and they're defensive about it again as opposed right. to you catch them and they're like, Ugh, I know, I, I don't want to be this way. It's just a habit of mine, you know. Let me know if you think that I'm doing it again in the future because I do it sometimes and not even realizing it, right. realizing that I'm doing it because it's easier to tell you that I'll be home at this time as opposed to letting you know I don't even get off work until six and right. you know that kind of a thing. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe in that initial conversation, it could be, look, I understand that you know 
you've probably gotten into this a lot of times and don't even realize it. So would it be okay if in the future, if I notice it, if I point it out to you? Okay, that's okay. How would you like me to point it out to you? Because I don't, I'm not looking to blame you or judge you. I'm just looking to, you know, have a more trusting relationship with you. Yeah. So that's, you know, that that's a great idea. And I think, again, in the first conversation where it's first pointed out and done nicely, then the person doesn't feel attacked or blamed and might be more receptive to saying, yes, you know, okay, you get the fact that I'm not doing it purposely and, um, you know, I'm okay with you pointing it out in the future, especially since you're saying to me, you know, how can you do that without me getting upset? Yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's a, that's a very big point, I think, because it, it, it will take the sting off the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is great, Karen. And, um, so I know, uh, I, it can be, I don't know. I feel like sometimes the the habits that I do can be obnoxious, um, because I try to do the right thing all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I want to acknowledge that to everybody and just, I just want to, I guess I just want to say that, um, you know, I try to practice what we preach. And I try to live the brand. Like I try to live the Hitch brand. And so the same way that like Hugh Hefner tries to live the Playboy lifestyle, like <laughs> I try to live the Hitch lifestyle. Who do you, who do you think has it better, Steve? Him or you? <laughs> uh, I think I probably – well, he's doing pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Um, but, you know, like – and I know I can, I, I can understand like why I can sound obnoxious sometimes because I'm always trying to do the right thing. But I just want people to know like I truly honestly – try to practice everything that we preach when it applies to me. And so if, if people are annoyed with me and the way that, um, you know, I, I seem to do, you know, you acknowledge that I do these right things. It's because I'm putting forth the effort to do the right things. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we were talking before, uh, like I, I live a pretty easy life. I mean, it's, it's, it's a good life. So I can say that it, all like all these tips that we practice make everything so much easier because I can't even remember the last time, and this is going to sound uber obnoxious, that my wife and I had a fight. Um, and I think it's a lot of the times because we're so proactive in, in, in the communication stuff that we talk about every single week about laying our cards out on the table mm-hmm. and our wants and desires and expectations and planning and all that stuff. Um, so, you know. I know because we've because I, I and I bring this up because we've gotten some comments about. Uh, by the way, they commented about how great the advice is that you give. Oh, how nice! And how obnoxious <laughs> that I can be because um, I don't seem to live in like some real world. Like I seem to, seem to live this like fantasy life of my relationship is perfect. Well, let me point something out to everybody. Let me yeah. reframe it. When you consider that we do podcasts every week, and I know you do podcasts with other people, and you're reading material all the time in order to put good stuff out for everybody, you're in constant marital therapy. <laughs> oh, honest to God, I, you know, we've been, I, so the, we recently, so July 1st is the hitched anniversary. Uh-huh. And uh, this year it was our seven year anniversary. But I started working on hitched. Uh, many years before that even launched doing research and and demographic research and all sorts of stuff so I mean I've been you know basically for over a decade now like buried my nose in marriage information every single day all day Uh 
So yeah, like I mean, shame on me if I haven't learned good techniques, I guess. <laughs> um, so you know, take take from it what you will, and I apologize if I sound <laughs> like I'm, um, you know, nothing's ever wrong uh, with me because I, I like I like I acknowledge like I'm not perfect, but I try to be, and I think that's what I want other people to do is I want them to try to be perfect because we you know, people always talk about the fairy tale of like living happily ever after, but you can only do that if you put the effort forward to live happily ever after. Like nobody's going to just hand that to you and it's going to just magically happen. And so, you know, that's why we do this every single week and offer these new tips and advice uh, and and pieces of advice, because I I want people to be able to do that. And the better you get at it, it, you know, it's kind of like a master in martial arts or something where when you've become a master at something, it looks effortless. You don't have Mm. to work at it very hard because you're doing all you're you're looking like seven moves in advance before they ever happen. Mm -hmm. as opposed to trying to dig yourself out of some hole that you've Mm -hmm. gotten yourself into. So um, all the effort you put in now just makes everything easier in the future. And so Mm -hmm. uh, I'm I'm stepping (laughs) off my soapbox now. I just had to get that out. Okay. (laughs) Glad that you you vented. (laughs) You know, it wasn't a vent. It was just trying to, you know, trying to acknowledge that I I read the criticisms of the podcast and I read the Mm -hmm. comments of the podcast and I want this to be helpful and I don't want to be annoying. And I just wanted to acknowledge that. So, and just kind of throw my perspective out there and like where it all comes from. Um, and as I said, everybody loves the advice you give. So I appreciate you, Karen. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to jump on the podcast and share your insight with us. Always a pleasure, Steve. Thank you for having me. Uh, love it. And I want to, before we go, I want to let everybody know that you can get more information uh, about Karen at her website, drkarensherman.com. Uh, Karen is a practicing psychologist and relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Uh, she is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Karen is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. And as I mentioned at the top, she has a program out called Pillars for Partnership. It is a set of audio and video tools produced by Karen and can be found on her website once again at drkarensherman.com. Uh, you can get this information at our website, hitchmag.com. You can ask us questions on the social platforms, Facebook, um, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Pinterest, uh, Periscope. That's something we've been playing around with. That's pretty cool. Um, so let us know what you think. There's an email button on our podcast page. And uh, yeah, I think that'll do it for us this week. So one last time, thank you so much, Karen. Thank you, Steve. All right. Take care, everybody. We're on top of the